Welcome to Multiple Revenue Streams, the podcast for anyone who wants to start a side hustle, business owners who wish to expand, entrepreneurs who build brands, and moms who build empires. I'm your host, Linda Payan, and I'm here to encourage you to keep going, do the little things every day, and start building a revenue stream that you are proud of. Please sit back, relax, grab your sparkling water, and let's find it. Hello, MRS podcast listeners. Today is an exciting day. We have Macy Westcott with us. She is a business strategist, copywriter, and creator of Write Your Own Copy. Macy is known for her ability to transform words into cash through solid offer development, brand distinction, and audience connection. With a soft spot for emerging women entrepreneurs, her clients have big ideas that are changing their industries and the world for the better. She helps these pathmakers design profitable offers using audience-focused marketing techniques and crafts copy that sells effective solutions with authenticity and ease. Welcome, Macy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for being here. I'm totally excited because copywriting is my jam. I love it. Why don't you share with us and our listeners how you got started in copywriting, if you've been doing that forever, and tell me about your journey into starting your own business. Thanks, Linda. It's it's pretty linear. I went to college from business and Started as a finance major and changed to marketing because I thought it would be more fun. And it was. <laughs> <laughs> so even part of like my marketing education was a lot of consumer and buyer behavior, learning how to placement, positioning, and even a little bit of copywriting. I left college and just got like corporate marketing jobs. I worked in nonprofits for a while and everything. But really, there was always a thread of writing and communication, whether I was writing to ask for donations or writing materials, white papers and brochures and things like that to bring people into an industry or into an event. In 2009, I started interning as a kind of a moonlighting gig or a side hustle for an emerging entrepreneur in the tech space. And that became really kind of like entrepreneurship trial by fire. I had to learn everything. She was the thought leader and I was like the person behind the scenes making it all go. So it was all the marketing all of the funnel building, all of the operations, everything. And that's when I really started having to lean into copywriting. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of like studied other people's emails and sales pages and websites and kind of developed things from there. After I had my second child, I decided I wanted to kind of go out on my own, have my own business. And I really wanted to lean into copy. I'd been doing a lot of sales funnel building and all of that. And it was uh, the tech side of things was a little too stressful for me. I didn't want to be on the hook when something stopped connecting in the middle of the night and on someone's launch. <laughs> and so I decided that there's really never copy emergencies. <laughs> so <laughs> let me lean into copy a little bit. And then I wanted to get certified and get some proper education specifically in copy. So I went to copy school, which is hosted by copy hackers. They're kind of the inventors of conversion copy as like a term, but it's all about direct sales copy and writing copy based on data, a very data driven metrics based copy, which I really like because like you, I'm a math person. I'm driven by data. I want to see the effects of what I'm doing. 
And to me, that gave me a way to measure my results as a copywriter. And that's how I know if my writing is good is if the needle's moving, right? If it's, it's not the same as being a novelist and having your writing be subjective and some people like it and some people don't. If you write copy that m- makes people take the action you want them to take and you've got data to back that up, then your copy is good. And that's what I like about this type of copywriting. Wonderful. <laughs> what kind of clients do you have? And is it project-based or is it ongoing based or do you build websites or do you build funnels? Kind of give us an idea of the kind of copy that you build for your customers. My customers are almost exclusively women. I have worked with several men, but generally I market to women and I enjoy helping women build their businesses. So my marketing is focused on drawing in women. I get most of my business through referral. It's mostly project-based. People come to me and they'll say, I want my website written or rewritten. I need a sales page for a high ticket offer. I'm launching uh, email sequences, whether it's a welcome and nurture sequence or a sales launch sequence, an evergreen sequence, whatever it is, people will come to me and say, this is what I need. We kind of take an evaluation of everything that's going on with them how much research they need me to do, how much they've already done themselves. And then I put together a project price and timeline for them. And that's mostly how I work. I occasionally will take some retainer work, which is more long-term with regular deliverables every month. But I've generally stepped into mostly project work because it allows me a little bit more flexibility and a kind of no project is too small. Like probably the smallest thing I would do is create a landing page for someone or a small email sequence, like a nurture email sequence that might be like three to five at the beginning of someone joining a list. That would be a small project that I do. And the biggest project I would do is probably just a whole sales funnel build out. So it would be all of the emails, all the landing pages, you know, webinar scripts, sales pages, and everything that would have to go along with a launch. I don't do any of the technical side of anything as a copywriter. Some people might do implementation, I give you a copy and then your web developer or whoever's designing the stuff is going to put that copy into the thing. And then usually I come back and have like the final okay and make sure that copy is doing its job because copy dictates design. So I usually give some notes on some of the design elements, but I work with some really great web designers and funnel designers who don't need me to tell them how to design well. They're very good at it. I just like to come back at the end and make sure that the copy is being represented how we intended it to, because when you read copy on a website or on a web page in your head, there's certain things that we do to make you pause in certain places to emphasize certain words. And all of that has to be appearing appropriately on the vehicle that it's being presented on the website or wherever mobile. I love that you say that. I love that you said copy dictates design because it is so true. Can you share three copywriting tips that just for small business owners, if you could share three copywriting tips for them? Yeah. So one thing that I always say is you are your first copywriter. So if you're in the beginning of your business, bootstrapping it, or you're a solopreneur and you can't hire out any of this stuff, you need to have some kind of a foundational understanding of what works and what doesn't work and how to improve your own writing. And even my clients who are multi seven figure earners, I do have clients that are making multiple millions of dollars off of their products and services. They still write their emails occasionally. 
they literally have a staff, like we'll have three copywriters on retainer working on different stuff, all within their brand voice. But the most successful people I've ever encountered are people who still continue to dip their toe in writing their own material. And I think it's so important because no matter how big you get in your business, that's what keeps you connected to your audience and keeps you connected to the voice of your business is writing for yourself sometimes. So even people with a full staff doing their social media, writing their emails, hiring me to do their copywriting on their sales pages and websites, those people are still in there crafting copy for themselves sometimes. So it's really a foundational skill to have as a business owner. My three biggest tips that I see that people need to be reminded of quite frequently is First of all, make sure to inject enough of your personality into it. We're kind of conditioned coming through the education system to write very objectively, write, you know, in third person, or it's not supposed to have contractions, or we're not supposed to use jargon or like fun words like y'all or anything like that in our writing, if it's like AP style format. So copywriting, you can break some of those rules and that's the fun part about it. And so sometimes when I go back and help audit or optimize someone's copy. I'm like, we just need to see a little more of your personality. Copy should be how you talk more than how you would write formally. We can break some of those grammatical rules that you've been taught um, when we're writing, because what we want people to see is we want them to hear the voice in their head. They want, we want them to read it, how it would be if we were talking to them. That's why you can use, I can't do that, or even like cut words off or do some fun stuff that you just don't do in regular writing. And so I always tell people, you know, break some of those rules, inject your personality. Don't be afraid to, that it's not going to get you an A from, a, from your professor or something like that, because that's not what we're going for here. So that's the number one tip. Make sure you're showing your personality and don't be afraid to break the rules to do it. The second one is to be really clear on your audience voice. This means making sure that you're talking to your audience your pr prospective clients or customers in the way that they want you to connect with them. So a lot of times this just is simple as like using their own words back to them. And this is a copywriter secret anyways. When I'm writing for clients and they say, how do you make me sound so good? Like I sound like me only better. It's really because I'm listening to what you say, writing it down, and I'm taking exactly what you're saying word for word, all those brilliant things that you come up with in your own head and I'm putting a little polish on them and I'm arranging them in a way that is most effective. Making sure that you really understand the voice of the person you're trying to connect with and go into Facebook groups or on Instagram and see what your customers, your audience, your clients are saying. What are they asking for? What are their frustrations and exactly word for word, how are they expressing them? If you see the same words coming up over and over again, that's a very clear signal that that should be used in your copy because that is how people feel like you're in their head. Have you ever read like a piece of copy somewhere where you're like, oh my gosh, this person gets me there in my head. I just <laughs> thought this the other day and now they're here. It's kind of weird and creepy. It's because they're listening to their audience and using that back for them. So that's my second tip. My third is having a very clear call to action. That goes beyond when you're trying to sell something. Your call to action can be something like, here's another blog post that I wrote that expresses this point. Click here for that. Anytime you're asking someone for something, share this article with a friend. 
That's a call to action. So sometimes people think a call to action is strictly sales-based and you're trying to get them to buy something. And I always say, no, it's just getting them to take the next step in some part of the journey. You know, whether that's like hit this button and answer a survey or share this article with a friend or hit reply to this email and let me know what your biggest challenge is lately. Those are all calls to action. And I think everything, including your content, should have some kind of call to action because if someone's reading something that they're really in tune with and really connected with, you're just simply giving them the option to stay connected with your material or to do something with it. Even if it's those simple things, always have some kind of a call to action to engage them in another level of something. Follow me on Instagram. Click here to see where I wrote about this on Facebook or on LinkedIn or whatever it is. It's just that extra thing where when people are in the mood to binge some content or go on to the next level, you've given them that chance to do that. Those are awesome. And you know what I love about what you mentioned right in the beginning was coming from a copywriter, how powerful that you said that all business owners should reach out and do some of their own copywriting. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I do feel that that's true. I want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is we're almost in May, 2023 and artificial intelligence is all over the news, all over my feed, in my inbox. It's everywhere. Chat GPT is a big one. And I know a lot of people are panicking. And But I equate this a little bit to the graphing calculator that came out years ago, where all of a sudden you have this amazing tool for mathematics that will give you answers right? Like, so if you have a problem, it will dish out answers. But just like chat GPT, if you don't know what to input, you're not going to get the correct output or maybe with chat GPT an output that you really want. Can you share a little bit about that within the copywriting industry? Because I'd love to know how you and all of your business partners feel about copywriting and yeah and artificial intelligence now yeah so here's the thing it's not going away and so we have to learn to adapt with it and we have to learn how to work with it and how to find the levers to pull to in, to make sure that we're not behind because if we are going to put our head in the sand that's that's when it's going to be detrimental because you're going to get behind it's like there's a tipping point for everything where if you're not on board with whatever that technology is, you are, you know, an artifact, you know, you're in a museum. <laughs> That's right. So this right now seems like that AI tipping point. There has actually been, people don't realize that AI has been in our lives for so long that we don't even realize it's there. Like when, when Netflix tells you the next show that you you should watch based on what you're watching, that's AI. I've been using an AI based editor called Grammarly, which I love in copywriting Yes, Same. almost all people in copywriting use it and average anyone, if you're writing anything, you should be filtering it through some kind of a system like that. And that's AI too. So we forget that there's all these ways that we've actually been living with AI that have enhanced our experience and our lives and that user experience. And this should be taken as that next level. And it's definitely a knee-jerk reaction to be to, to feel like it's scary 
Um, I even wrote a blog called is Megan your next copywriter Megan was like a movie where the AI doll that like took her um, instructions to literally because that's the machine part of it is it doesn't have the nuance to understand emotion now they are saying that that is starting to become developed a little bit more like understanding how those prompts and everything is where it comes in and how you can use AI effectively it was really interesting because like a few months ago when everyone was really, when the buzz started, a lot of people in the industry were joking, like in some of my copywriting groups, people would say like, I asked it to write this and look what I got. And we'd all be like, ha 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 ha. But now because people understand how to prompt it better, people are getting better results from their AI. And it's not like this cheesy machine sounding robot sounding thing. Um, But it can help cut corners with like some research. It doesn't mean that you're not doing the research. It just, instead of you doing it, the, the machine is doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it can help you reposition things, reword things, rewrite things in a different tone if you're struggling with something like that. And then it doesn't mean that you necessarily take the results that you get from AI, copy it and paste it directly into whatever you're doing. That is always meant to be a springboard for you to go back through with your own human filter and edit it and bring your own voice to it as well. So it can be a springboard and that's really how it should be viewed as a tool, a springboard, an idea generator, a way to take one kernel of thought and, you know, spread the seed around so that you're like coming up with multiple. So it's like giving you multiple answers and multiple thoughts, five different ways to spin something. Um, five different ways to talk about, to, I mean, 50 different ways to talk about something and see which one of those resonates with you and your brand and what you're going to lean into. I think when people are worried about that, it's going to go and write people's entire sales pages or websites, which it can do, but the level of prompting that it would take to make that a, a viable end result is just not there yet. And even if it gets there, if we're developing with it, we should be able to work alongside of it for a long time. It shouldn't be replacing people in in the near future as far as coming for our jobs. AI now is not what it was five years ago or even two years ago. So it's definitely there. But if you think about every time we've had a major shift in technology, I mean, people thought the iPhone was going to be the end of the world, right? And <laughs> I mean, they did. And, 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 and there's definitely been some changes in our culture because right. of technology. People thought the TV was going to be the end of the nuclear, like the end of the family. People thought that even the telephone was going to be the end of people leaving their houses to visit each other. It's just all of these milestones are coming and we can't stop them. So it's like adapt or retire, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Choices. And it's just one of those things where just kind of like keep it in your awareness and do as much with it as you can and challenge yourselves and try to like have fun with it and see how it can work for you and try not to be too concerned about the aftermath at this point. Now you mentioned that you have something for business owners regarding artificial intelligence. You want to share a little bit about that? Yes. I have um, a free resource that is some of my favorite AI tools ranging all the way from Grammarly, like I mentioned, which is a super simple, there's nothing to, that's not really a prompt based AI. It's mostly a proofreading and editing 
um, program that can help with your writing. So that's like the basic um, end of the spectrum, all the way to um, a few prompts for like a chat GPT, which is the one that's, you know, getting all the buzz right now. Um, and how you can use that also to help kind of um, get content ideas or flesh out your content or put a different spin on some of the things that you're writing. It can be used almost in the place of somebody sitting across from you brainstorming. So if you ask the G chat GPT type of bot questions, it can answer you almost as if it was a person, again, without that emotional without the actual nuance of being with a person. So it, it can in a bind act as like a brainstorming partner. So I do have some resources coming out that can help business owners use um, about a half a dozen different AI tools to have greater impact in their business. And it's all super easy. There's nothing like, there's not much of a learning curve to what I'm sharing with people. It's very much like get in, play around, or use it for your editing proofreading. I love that. Yeah, Grammarly I've been using for years and it's simply the best. Even if you're sending a quick email to someone and a lot of times your email platform doesn't catch all your little grammatical errors and you know, you can come across really professional with just a quick click of the button. Yeah, and that's the other thing about copywriting too is it's not just about sales pages and websites, it's all of your correspondence and communication and it's like if you understand how people consume content and how they interact with written word and written material, you can write better all around. I mean, you can write a better email on someone who owes you an overdue invoice. You know, you can write a better email, right. um, you know, if you don't have the answer to a question or you have a highly dissatisfied customer, like there's templates that you can use that so you don't have to rethink it and reinvent the wheel every single time one of these things pops up in your business you can rely on kind of a template to use and then say, this is the specifics of the situation and have that person be more satisfied because you weren't thinking on the fly or not knowing how to write with them, how to write for them. You know, some basic information about how people interact with the written word can help and go a long way. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Why don't you share with us any hurdles that you've had along the way building your business. Yeah. So my business pivoted a few times, which I wouldn't necessarily call those hurdles, but they're definitely parts where you start questioning, you know, your business. Mm -hmm. When I first left my regular paying job, I had a membership for moms. I was a new mom. So I really like talking about new mom stuff. I had this membership for moms and it was a very great support group for women. And included in that was like a women and mom entrepreneurship group or whatever. Well, after a couple of years, I was like, I don't want to talk about mom, new mom stuff anymore. I'm done talking about diapers. I'm done. <laughs> I go, but the one part of it that I actually still loved was talking to moms who are developing their businesses. So I was like, okay, there's something there yes. that I can lean into. So I sold that entire business, but then I started as a productivity coach and kind of just an all around business coach for mom entrepreneurs. And from there started to build funnels and started to like take on all these skills until again, I got burned out on that and I needed to focus again on one single thing. And that became copywriting. Of course, now since then copywriting, my copywriting has also become offer development. People were coming to me to write sales pages for offers that I knew weren't going to succeed simply based on the lack of what was included in the offer or the container it was presented in 
or there was something lacking. So I was like, let's go back and reverse engineer this and like try to make this better before you come to the copywriting stage of things. So that kind of became a natural progression of that. Now, the biggest hurdle I've had is my entire copywriting business was built on referral. I like hustled and got clients in the beginning who referred me to people just organically. I don't have a referral program. I actually am not necessarily, that doesn't make me feel good to ask clients to like refer me and I'll give them some kind of a kickback or something. Like, it's just like, I do good work. Please share. The best thing you can do is share it with other people. So I built my entire business, which is very successful at this point on referral. Well, now I've decided I need another revenue stream, right? Because that's what you need when you hit a certain point in your business. You're like, this is great, but I'm still trading my time for my revenue and I need to have something else. So I started creating Write Your Own Copy, which are guides for emerging and established business owners to write better copy for themselves. But I have no audience because I don't, I've never had to build an audience because I've never, I've built everything on referral. So I have very little social media presence. I'm starting to work on that now. I have to go back to where a lot of people are in the first six to 12 months of their business and start building my list and building my audience and putting myself out there and doing things that I've never had to do. And I've been doing this since 2016. So it's a long time to build a business on referral and not have to ever really do anything social media wise. And that's been a hurdle for me because I have my day set up where I've been doing the same thing now for so many years. And I have to now carve out time to do these list building activities and everything that people a lot of times are doing at the beginning of their business, but it wouldn't have made sense for me to do it at the beginning of my business because I had nothing to sell these people other than my services really. So I didn't have a product line. I didn't have um, anything to, to share with them. And I was spending a lot of my time working on client copy. So it's just a different, it's like a backwards way maybe that I did my business, but it worked out for me. That is the biggest hurdle right now is that I'm just kind of starting from scratch when I've actually been in business for a very long time and have a very well-established clientele and I'm known in my industry. List building is like, it's like a, it's a job in itself. (laughs) It is. And honestly, when I'm working with, when I'm working with clients in the beginning and they're like, what do I do? Everyone's telling me I need a list. I need a list. I'm like, here's the thing I tell people, get paying clients. Your number one thing when you're starting out, get paid, get people, start experimenting with what you want to do. How, how I came into copywriting had this whole like 18 month journey of trying different things out yeah. and people, I was getting paid that whole time. So if I would have been focusing on building a list to sell, to sell my services, I wouldn't have been able to get paid during that time. So I'm like, get paid first and then, and then once figure you it have, out. Yeah. And then once <laughs> you have something that you need a, an audience for start building the audience, then I'm like, you can easily in social media now build your audience as you go, but unless you're going to take the time to consistently email people on your list with good, high quality content, which also is another job in itself. You need to focus your time on client work and making money and figuring out like what your special ability is to help people, then that's what you need to do. And Mm -hmm. the audience and a list building can come later. And it hasn't been a detriment. It's a new experience for me. And it is a little bit of a hurdle because I have to figure out how to work this whole aspect of it into my business model. Like I said, that I've established and have been working in 
for so long, but it's happening. Like it's not too late. You know what I mean? I'm starting this now, like several years into my business, six, seven, my son's seven. I started when he was born seven years into my business and I'm, I'm building an audience and I'm growing my list and I'm able to do that. And it's not too late to do that. (laughs) So it's really fine. I want to circle back a little bit because you kind of mentioned quickly that you started a business and then sold a business. So share with us how you found the buyer for the business. Was it someone that was in the group or did you take it outside the group? Kind of, kind of share how, how you found that, because I'm sure there's people listening that think, oh, I can sell my business and maybe down the road, that's, that's a viable solution, right? Yes. And you can, there's the way you sell your business can look so different for people. And I actually have some clients right now that as we're building out their brands, we're building them with the intention for them to retire someday and potentially sell off part of their brand. (laughs) So what that would look like for me right now, and then I'll talk about how I sold mama hive is what that would look for me right now is I have macywestcott.com. No one can be me, right? Like, But I also have this entire product suite that I'm developing called Write Your Own Copy, which can be its own brand. And should I ever decide to get out of this business, but somebody wants to take what I've developed in the brand of Write Your Own Copy and take that and make that their own, I could sell that portion of my business. And and of course, any clients I have, I would you know, farm out to other copywriters or whatever. But like that part of my business becomes a sellable asset that I have that I can sell because it's not branded under my name. It can be belong to anybody and it's going to have all of these materials and everything developed that they can go take and run with and build upon. So that's kind of what happened with the Mama Hive membership. The business was called Mama Hive. It was an online membership for moms. And um, there was, uh, I was in a lot of mom groups, a lot of mom entrepreneur groups, right? Because that was the space that I was working in. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman who was also starting a similar group and was kind of looking for, well, she, she asked because she was looking for a different name for her business. And she reached out to me because she really liked the name that I had. And I was thinking at that point, I didn't even know I was just going to close the business down. It hadn't even occurred to me to sell it, that somebody might want to take it and run with it. Like, I don't know why it didn't occur to me, but I was like, I'd been procrastinating, shutting it down because there was all these members in there who were relying on it. And I was like, what am I going to do? So she was like, I want, I want a name. She was, I actually really like your name. And all of a sudden the buttons, like everything like (laughs) fell into place. And I'm like, it's an aha moment. I go, would you buy the name? And then also what you're buying is you're buying the entire business. You're buying a, a membership that's already established. You know, you can change it. We'll tell people it's under new ownership. So you can do whatever you want with it, but you do have this established membership of people that probably most will stay on if you're going to offer something similar. And so we had talks about that. And that's actually what ended up happening is that I hadn't even planned on it. As soon as she said she wanted the name and she liked the branding, I was like, well, you can have it. Like, let's figure this out. (laughs) So I sat down and I thought about a price that would work, that I felt that would work where I was basically recouping all of my investment and my cost and taking um, a chunk of revenue. I didn't consult with anybody. I probably should have, but I was going to, that was going to be my next question. Did you consult with, you know, a business consultant to see? I didn't, but also my business was not very big. So it was a good thriving business, but I wasn't selling some million dollar, you know, or even like six figure. It wasn't even a six figure deal. You know what I mean? Like this Uh was a small business. 
So, and also I felt a little bit like it was a goodwill act. Like I wasn't, I was planning on shutting it down. So like going to get money out of the deal that whatever I would get from it was kind of icing on the cake. I came up with a number. She agreed to it. We did get lawyers involved at that point for contracts. That was it. I transferred all of my assets to her. I had all of my social media handles. I switched out of to a password that she could go in and switch it to her email and all of that stuff. So it was, it was informal in some ways, but there was also, we were had a legally binding contract. So there was that. Great. That makes sense. Yeah. What she bought was all of my branding that had been established and had been Mm -hmm. out there in the world, like building a list, the list that we had built, um, the membership and all the content that we had put in the membership. So anything that we had put in their videos to help people, or whenever I had speakers come in, we either paid them for their time. And that was it. We owned the material at that point, or there was an agreement that like, they were just there. So she owned all the content within from there. And she actually, after that rebranded to something else and has a version of that business going still. Wonderful. That's pretty exciting. It's exciting when all of a sudden you think, wow, from shutting down to, I just made money off this. You know, a lot of times it's our side hustle, quote unquote, that we start, you know, we don't think that, wow, somebody else really could take advantage of this because, you know, I need to retire or just like what you said, you changed what you were passionate about. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. I want to wrap up with a few questions. Share with us the best advice that you've ever received. I've been thinking about this because I knew this was on your list of questions you might ask me. <laughs> There's a quote that is that was not given directly to me. It's a quote by kind of a famous copywriter type back in the day, Eugene Schwartz. And he says, copy is assembled. Copy is not written. Copy is assembled. And I come back to that all the time because when you have writers, when people say they have writer's block, which is a real thing, especially in creative writing, but when you're writing for your business um, and you feel like you have writer's block, to me that coming back to that quote, that copy is assembled and not written reminds me that I'm not starting from scratch. I'm not starting with some vague idea. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I'm not writing the great American novel here. I am taking the words and structure that have already been proven to work. And I'm putting them like, it's like putting together a puzzle. You have all of the pieces. You just need to assemble them to make it effective. And that to me, I remind myself all of the time when I, when I feel like I'm getting writer's block, when I feel like I don't know where to start with this project, or I'm not feeling very inspired to write for this client in this moment, I'm just getting started with that copy is assembled and not written. Instead of writing something out of the gate, I start taking a look at what data I have to use to write with. And that usually helps inspire me. So even though it's not a piece of advice given to me personally, it's something I use at least a few times a week to remind myself that I'm not creating something from scratch here. It it really lifts the weight off of like the creative process when you're like, I have something to start with and I have data to start with. Mm -hmm. I have a brand that I'm working with who already has an established voice. They have a product that they've already developed that I'm going to be writing about. I'm not the ideation person at that point. I'm just going to translate what they have into something that communicates that to their audience. 
And it really helps me kind of keep things in perspective as a writer. I love that. What's your favorite app or system that you use to streamline your everyday tasks? (laughs) So Grammarly is my number one app that I use. Um, It streamlines my writing for sure. Makes it makes the proofreading and the editing so much easier. And then also Google Drive is like the central nervous system of my business. <laughs> it's like it's everything is in there and it's really a great place also to write copy. It's where I write copy for clients and then I hand it off to them and they can write comments in the margins. I can see any edits they might make on the page. Mm-hmm. And I tell them if you're really drawn to making an edit straight on the page, go right ahead. Cause I can see previous versions. You're not going to mess up any of my work. But what's really great is that they can highlight and comment and we can have entire conversations within the document versus on Voxer or text or email where everything gets like, where did I hear all that? All jumbled all over that? the place, right? Yeah, it, it, it's like a one-stop place for all of that. And I love that. Um, and then the last, last app that I use regularly um, is Loom Video. There's a free version of Grammarly. There's a free version of Loom And Google Drive is also, there's free versions of all of these. So like you can get into all of these without making any kind of investment. I've paid for the upgrades on all of these because I use them to a large capacity. But Loom Video is really great because it helps me explain and point out the copy. Every copy that gets delivered, all the copy that gets delivered to clients for me comes with a video walkthrough where I explain everything and my choices for words and all of that. That's interesting. Do you find that customers, especially regarding the Loom video, where you explain your word choices, do you, are your, I'm sure your customers are very appreciative of that. Oh my gosh. That's so I will say this. There are a few things I do in my business that I think are the reason people work with me and the video is one of them. I also do a video when I send a proposal. So even before people work with me, when they get a proposal from me, I do a walkthrough of the proposal and I point out why things are priced the way they're priced, what they're getting included. And I also have in my proposal what's not included because some people will assume that I'm going to go into their MailChimp and put up the mail, the email, oh, right, I'm going right, to, right. you know, edit their like video script that I've written when they're done. And it, because people have never worked with a copywriter, they don't know. Right. And also there's copywriters who do stuff like that. So I always include what's not part of the contract to be very clear. And people are like really blown away by the fact that I've taken the time to like really walk them through their proposal and re-answer the questions that I know a lot of people have. And I do the same thing with the copy. That's really what it's for is like, I'm going to walk you through this so that you can kind of get why I've chosen. Because sometimes people are like, wait a minute, why is this placed here? Why is it in this order? Well, there's sometimes a reason for that. So I explain some of that too. So yes, people love it. And I'll always say a video walkthrough is better than a one-on-one because a one-on-one, they can ask questions before you've gotten to the point where you're ready to answer it. So with a video, they still have questions they can ask them, but it's not a back and forth two hour thing that takes forever. It's a 20 minute, here's my explainer video. And then they can come back with their edits in another time. So I'm really big on explainer videos and walkthroughs. I'm sure that sets you apart from a lot of other copywriters and quotes that they get. So good for you. That's wonderful. Do you have a favorite personal development book or podcast that you read or listen to? I do more books. The two that I think have had the most impact on my business and my personal outlook on the way that I want to live is I have two, Essentialism by Mark 
Cowan, I don't know how to say his last name, Mark McKeown, Essentialism. And the other one is, of course, Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is probably like one of them. A lot of people probably cite that. I like them because they're actually really short reads, but they have a really high impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times in my business, when things start feeling a little bit off the rails or out of my control, I go back to essentialism and it's the same thing with habits. I have ADHD. So as a business owner, I have to have a lot of very specific habits to keep me on track. I enjoy keeping track of my habits and (laughs) like checking things off lists and things like that. So atomic habits really help keep that in perspective for me. I mean, that could be a whole nother podcast where we talk (laughs) about, (laughs) where we talk about ADHD and how, how to you know, overcome that when as a business owner and keep, keep your habits on task, right? Yeah, for sure. It is. It's like a whole other job. No kidding. It really is. Macy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Do you want to share with us a quick link for people to go to? And I will put everything in the notes as well, but share a quick link for our listeners to go and find you. Yeah, it would just be my website, MacyWestcott.com. Westcott is spelled W-E-S-C-O-T-T. That is a unique way to spell it, I guess. Some people put a T in the middle. But if you Google me, any version of my name, it will show up. And on my website, there's free resources, including the AI kind of 101 that we talked about earlier. I have some editing resources on there too. And the other thing is, if anyone, if any of your people are freelancing on Fiverr, I have a biz booster suite on Fiverr for people to buy their $5 each. And it's like how to use tagging in your emails or how to quick edit your copy with my seven editing tips. So it's really like bite size, like business boosting pieces that people who are freelancing on Fiverr or whatever can get that they can put into place in the next 20 minutes forward in their business. Wonderful. Thanks again for coming on. So grateful for you. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Linda. I really had fun. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. And now a quick note from our sponsor. What's the number one piece of jewelry, maybe besides your wedding band that you wear every day? I don't know about you, but for me, it's earrings. No matter how busy I am, I put a pair of earrings on every day. And I keep an extra pair in my purse for earring emergencies because let's face it, we are all super busy. Try the complete luxury earring of the month club where you will receive one pair of earrings every month. The whole idea of the earring of the month club is to build an earring wardrobe for you to have a variety of earrings, no matter what the occasion, no matter what your mood, you will have earrings to wear with your outfit. Many of our customers tell us they would not have picked out some of the earrings, but love them. And once they put them on, they wear them all the time. For your Earring of the Month Club experience, go to completeluxurybox.com forward slash earrings. That's completeluxurybox.com forward slash earrings with an S.